0: If you have your Bibles with you, would you please turn to Acts chapter 4 and 1 John chapter 5. We're in our series called Bold, and we've been looking at the way that the early church really was able to effectively go out and fulfill the mandate that God gave them to make disciples of all the nations. And the early church faced incredible persecution. They were stoned, they were flogged, they were imprisoned, they were crucified, they were fed to lions. I mean, all kinds of horrible things. Nero burned them as torches in his garden to light it at night. And being a Christian in the early days of the church was a death sentence for you. But the church thrived. And in 100 years, over a million people became Christians. From the time that Jesus died to actually it was about 60 years later, there one from 12 people that were disciples and followers of Jesus to over a million people in spite of that kind of persecution. And the reason that they were able to do this so effectively is because they recognized that they needed to live a bold life. They had to have courage in the face of danger. They had to be fearless. They had to be determined. And that's what boldness is all about. And even though today we don't face anywhere near that level of resistance in the Western world about our faith, we still have an enemy who opposes us. And he will do everything he can to affect your mind and body and whatever else he can do to keep you from living the life that God has called you to and making disciples of Jesus Christ. And the early church figured out that what they needed was boldness to do this. And today we're going to be looking at what boldness looks like in our prayer life. In Acts chapter 4, which is where we've been spending a lot of time here, in verses 29 through 31, it says, And now look upon their threats, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now that's an incredibly bold prayer. Normal people don't pray stuff like that. I think I was a fairly normal kid growing up and the prayer I prayed every night before I went to bed was, uh, now now lie Amy down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. It's kind of freaky. You can see, it's supposed to be now I lay me, but my sister's name was Amy, so I thought that it was now lie Amy down to sleep. So I'm praying, and I began to evaluate this as I got old enough to kind of think. I was thinking, why am I telling God that my sister's going to bed? He knows that. I don't need to in my prayer life tell God, I'm not doing the play-by-play sports casting of my life in my prayers. And I thought, what is this if I die like in my sleep? I'm, God's going to take my soul? I was like, oh man, that's scary. Now no, I'm scared of dying every time I go to bed. But I got older and I started thinking, okay, this prayer is kind of silly. And so I started praying in different ways. But what I discovered was that the prayers I was praying were still just as weak and ineffective as the prayers I'd been praying when I was a little kid. As I began to recognize God's call on my life to make disciples and the specific venue that he called me to make disciples in, I started praying, God, would you make me successful in this? I don't want to be bad at what you've called me to do. So I'm praying and I'm saying, God, I want to see more people following you, but I'm not making any disciples at all. And I keep trying and I'm, I just keep coming back to God and praying. And I'm praying really timid passive, like not really saying anything kind of prayers. It was like a politician praying. You don't really say anything. And so I'm praying, and I'm saying things like, God, just be with me. And I'm I'm starting to think about this. I'm like, wait a second. Isn't God always with me? I mean it says that God's never going to leave me, He's never gonna abandon me, He's never gonna forsake me. I don't have to pray for God to be with me because there's nothing I could do to remove myself from the love of God. Whether I want him here or not, God is going to be here. So really I'm praying something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This isn't a powerful prayer that is going to change the world or change the life of the people that are around me. Now, I understand praying, God, I want your manifest presence in my life, fill me daily with your Holy Spirit. But when I was praying, God, just be with me, that's not really doing anything. That's a weak prayer. And then I was praying things like, God, just help me to to do the best that I can. It's like, God, help me to maximize my potential. It's like a motivational speaker prayer. And I started thinking about this more and I'm like, you know what? Even if I was the best Jeremy that I possibly could be, I can't even save myself. So how is me being the best me I can be ever going to do something for somebody else? You see, the problem is that what we need in this world isn't for us to be the best that we can possibly be. The world doesn't need a better Jeremy. The world needs Jesus. What the broken, hurt, and lost world needs isn't us living at our maximum potential of our abilities and our own power. What it needs is the one who is limitless in his power and his ability to come and to do things in our lives. We need the King of Heaven to come down and to move in our lives to bring healing, to bring salvation, to restore marriages. We need him to bring the fruit and a passion for the Holy Spirit inside of us. King Jesus is the only one who can change this world and he uses us as willing vessels which I'm so grateful for, but it has absolutely nothing to do with my abilities and my powers. You see, what I was doing was I was limiting God. And one day after, I was actually praying to God, like, God, why is praying so lame for me? Why do I pray and I feel like nothing ever happens? And God spoke to me, and he said, what would your ministry and your life look like if I answered every prayer that you've been praying? What if everything you've been believing for I gave to you? What would it look like? And my honest assessment of that was it wouldn't look any different. I was just praying for God to do little things. I was praying for him to make me better. And that changed my prayer life. Because if God visits me and he says every prayer that you've ever prayed... Everything you're believing for right now I'm going to give to you, I want this world to change in response to those prayers. I want the things that I have faith for to change this world. And this is a question I'm asking you today. If God came to you and asked you the same thing he asked me, if every prayer that you're praying for right now and everything you're believing for, if I gave that to you, what would your life look like? Would your life be drastically different? Would this world be different? Or would it look pretty much the same as it always has for you? I don't want to limit God in my prayers. I don't want to be someone who prays timid, weak things. I want to take hold of everything that God has for me by the way that I pray. I want to ask the King of Heaven to come down and to do the things that only He can do. And when God answers my prayers, I want this world to change. I want my life to change. I want my family in this church, in this city to change and to be forever different because God has done something miraculous. And this is uh, really the way that you can tell. Am I praying bold prayers or am I praying timid, weak prayers? And the first thing is that bold prayers ask for the impossible. Now, one of the craziest miracles, one of the most ridiculous prayers in the entire Bible to me is when Joshua prays and he says, Son, stand still. It has never once occurred to me, like even in the realm of possibility, to ask the sun to stand still. I've prayed for green lights to stand still, but never the sun. (laughs) And they never even stand still either. But Joshua has this kind of faith and boldness and confidence in who God is that he comes to him with this audacious prayer and says, "God, I need you to make the sun stand still." And physio- I mean, the physics of how that had to have happened, I have no idea. I've thought about it, just a suspension of every principle that governs the way the universe works. And Joshua had no idea what that was, but he just has a faith and says, "God, I need the sun to stand still for a while." And it does. That's impossible. But that's a prayer that changes the world. And here's what I've noticed, is that the way we pray reveals what we believe God is capable of. You know, you don't ask someone for something that you know they can't give you. I don't go up to Mike and say, hey Mike, can you loan me a million bucks? Because I know he doesn't have a million dollars. That would be a waste of my time. That'd be stupid. You ask people for things that you think they can actually give you. And so what we do is we come to God and a lot of times and we ask for really weak things because it shows that we don't really believe that God is a God who nothing is impossible for. The way you pray, your way you pray shows what you really believe God is capable of. You know the greatest tragedy in prayer is that 100% of the prayers that you don't pray don't get answered. There are so many things the I know there's no regrets or tears in heaven, Eric Clapton told me so, but that was an even worse joke than the first. (laughs) Oh, I'm losing this. But when we get to heaven and we can see all the things that God wanted to do in our lives, but we never even asked him for it, oh man, I don't want to see the storehouses of blessings that God was going to pour out on this world, but they just sat there in heaven because I never asked him for it. And that's why Jesus says, I want you to ask. I want you to seek and you will find. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. We are a people who live and lack in our lives and in our ministry because we don't have the faith to come to God and say, God, I believe that nothing is impossible for you. Would you come and do miraculous, impossible things? Because I want to see the nations changed. I want to see my family, my friends come to know you. I want my workplace to change. I want the city of Ann Arbor not to be a place where less than 5% of people attend church every week. I want this to be a place that's known for a place where people come to seek Jesus. I want this to be a place where people come because they need healing. I want this to be a place where people come because they know that they can find hope in the churches and that God is the one who can bring all of these things to them. But do we believe God can do that? Your prayers will reveal that to you. See, this is what the disciples do. They knew Jesus better than anybody. They've lived with him. They've been eating with him. They've been watching him do ministry for three years. They knew him better than anybody. And so when they came to God and they prayed, They asked, God, I want you to stretch out your hand. I want you to perform healings and miracles, signs and wonders. And you know what happened in response to those prayers? Crippled people got up and started walking around. And unbelievers around them said, look at that. There's no way to explain that. There is a God and he is powerful and he loves us. They prayed for blind eyes and they were open. They prayed for stopped ears and they began to hear. They prayed for dead people and they came back to life. I'm not sure I want that one, but (laughs) it might scare me a little bit. But they saw miracles happen. They went from all the way um, to the west, they made it to England. And to the east, they got all the way to the border of India and China in their lifetimes, making disciples, planning churches, seeing this world turned upside down. Because they knew who God was. And they prayed that God would come and be God. Do you believe that God is a God who nothing is impossible for? And are you praying for God to do the impossible? The second thing bold prayers do is they line up with God's will. So I just said pray for impossible things, but you have to understand God isn't your genie in a bottle that you can make wishes at, and he's also not your ATM machine. You need to ask for impossible things, but you need to make sure that the miraculous, impossible things you ask for line up with God's will. In 1 John 5, 14 through 15, it says, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. See, we have the confidence that when we pray according to God's will, we have the thing that we have asked for. So then the important question becomes how do we know what God's will is? If you're going to be praying and asking for impossible things, it's important to say, God, what is it that you want to do? Because now I'm going to ask you to do that. And the first way is it's revealed in Scripture. Now, I meet with a lot of people who are going through divorces or horribly rocky times in their marriage. I remember I've met, that's like a couple different times I've met with people and they were divorcing and and, you know, like they want prayer or like a friend is divorcing. And I think there was one time it was a friend and his parents were like having just the worst time. And, and it was a done deal. They were separated and, uh, and I said, you know, hey, can you pray? And I'm like, all right, let's, let's pray. And the safe, timid, easy prayer would be, God, would you just heal our hearts? God, would you help the divorce to go really well? You know, that's like an easy, nothing prayer. But I knew what God's will was. Because Jesus said, what God has joined together, let no man separate. That's including the people that are married to each other. In Malachi, it says that God hates divorce. So I knew from Scripture what God's will was for marriage. And so as we prayed, we said, God, would you turn their hearts back towards each other? God, would you fill them with grace and mercy and affection for one another? God, would you move on their hearts? Would you restore this marriage? God, would you rise up as a mighty man of war and would you fight for this marriage? And time and time again, I've seen God answer those bold prayers lined up with his will and so many marriages have been reconciled and saved. Not because of me, I don't know how to do anything, but I know how to pray. I know how to say, God, what is your will in this situation? Now I'm going to ask you to do something, even if it seems ridiculous, even if it's crazy, even if it's an impossible prayer. I'm going to put my faith in the fact that nothing is impossible for you. And the second way is the Holy Spirit leads us in our prayers. In Romans chapter 8, it talks about when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit leads our prayers and he burdens our hearts and he puts things on there. that's talking about the prayer language of tongues as well as just the promptings of the Holy Spirit inside of you. I remember one time it was a prayer meeting when I was still on staff at Radiant in Richland. And one of the guys there that was in our morning prayer group, we met at 6 a.m. and it was early and we drank a lot of coffee and we prayed. But his niece had a tumor on her tongue. It was a cancerous tumor. And she was going in that week to have her tongue, uh, basically the entire thing removed, and she would never be able to speak again. And so I could have prayed, God, would you give those surgeons skill when you give them the ability to do this well? God, we pray for a speedy recovery. That's the safe prayer. But what happened is that God moved in me and he brought to my attention where David, when he was facing certain death, he said, God, I will yet praise you in the land of the living. And God told me to pray that prayer for this woman. And so that's what I did. I pray, God, would you miraculously heal her? God, we ask that she would still praise you with her tongue, that her voice would not be taken from her, but that you would use this as a miraculous event that will stun doctors and even stun her and lead many people to you. And would you receive glory from this? The next week, we met with him, and he told us they went in to do the surgery, and the woman woke up, and she still had her tongue. And she asked the surgeons, What happened? And they said, We don't know, but we went in there to remove the tumor. And it wasn't there. God miraculously healed this woman. And once again, it's not because of what we did. We're just a bunch of tired guys drinking coffee praying, but it was according to what God's will was that he had revealed to us by putting a burden on our heart through the Holy Spirit. So when you come and you pray the impossible things, find out what God's will is. Do it by spending time reading your scriptures, seeing what it is that God has revealed he wants to see done, and listen to the promptings and the voice of your Holy Spirit inside of you. Now, i got to admit, I was a little bit scared when I prayed that, because if I prayed for this bold thing and then her tongue got cut out, it makes you look a little bit like a tool. But sometimes you got to be willing to risk that. You've got to be willing to risk your reputation to do the bold thing and ask for the king of all kings to come down and do the miraculous. Number three, bold prayers are persistent. And this is a hard one for us. We are not a persistent people. We have the attention span of a goldfish, most of us. (laughs) And that's not much. So what's happened is you get excited. God's revealed something in his will that he wants to do. Like, I know Jesus wants to do this. He's a God who nothing is impossible for. So Jesus, we pray that you would blah, 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 blah. And then nothing happens. And you're like, maybe I need to be a little bit louder, clear my throat. Jesus, would you blah, 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 blah. And then nothing happens. So the third day, you're like, what is going on here? And you pray again, and nothing happens. But then something begins to happen. And what begins to happen is you begin to question. You say, God, was this what you really said? Did I mishear you? Was I wrong on this? God, did I, I guess I, this isn't what you really wanted to do. But we have to keep coming back and being persistent. See, Elijah gives us an incredible example of persistence in our prayers. And I love this. He's one of the greatest prophets ever. Incredible miracles were performed in his ministry. He was well known and respected. And there's been a drought in Israel for years, a very severe drought. And God says to him, I want you to go and to pray for rain now and I'm going to bring rain to Israel. And so Elijah's like, okay. And he goes and tells King Ahab in 1 Kings chapter 18, he says, Get up, eat and drink for for there's a sound of rushing rain. That's pretty bold. So King Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed himself down on the earth, put his face between his knees and he said to his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again. Seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud, like a man's hand, is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up and say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. God told him what to pray for. He told him he was going to do. And so, like most of us, All right, I'm going to pray for this. God, send the rain. And then there's nothing. Nothing. And he's already told the king the rain's coming, so Elijah's put himself out on a limb. And time after time, he goes out there and he prays for the rain. And time after time, there's no rain. But finally, on that seventh time, as he continues to persist in his prayers, that which God had revealed he would do is finally done. Now, what would have happened if Elijah had stopped praying the sixth time? that miracle wouldn't have happened. The nation would have been deprived of the rain that they so desperately needed. You have to persist in your prayers. My grandfather, who um, passed away at the age of 90 about 10 years ago, I've been praying for him for a long time. He was someone that resisted the Lord his entire life. And for 20 years, I prayed for him to know Jesus. Jesus. And I prayed, God, break down the walls. Reveal yourself in miraculous ways just like you miraculously revealed your love and your affection for me. Jesus, would you save my grandfather? And one month before he passed away, he made the decision to follow Jesus. And in that last month of his life, he was a new man. I'm so glad that I didn't give up. There were so many times I wanted to. There were so many times I thought, I'm never going to see my grandpa in heaven. But we persisted. And we kept going. But what if I had given up? What if I had stopped praying for him? That miracle never would have happened. Never give up. The miraculous moves of God are worth fighting for. They're worth contending for in your life. They're worth worth persevering for. Never give up. Never stop believing. Never stop praying. No matter how many times nothing happens, no matter how many years go by, what God has spoken and said he will do, he will do. And the last thing is that bold prayers lead to bold answers. After the disciples prayed, what happened? It says that the room they were in was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they went out and they preached with boldness. All but one of those men met their end as a martyr. They all went through incredible persecution and suffering. But God answered their prayer. They prayed bold prayers. God, give us the ability to speak before kings. And Paul spoke before the Roman emperor. They prayed, God, continue to, through signs and wonders, show that you really are God. And all over the world, God stretched out his hand and did the miraculous so that an unbelieving world would believe in the God who did these things. They turned their generation in the entire world, upside down, in their lifetime. Right now, you're on the front side of a miracle. Miracles don't happen when you're in the best of days. Miracles don't come easy. Miracles don't happen when everything is hunky-dory for you. The backdrop for every miracle is an incredible need. The backstory to every miracle is that something is terribly wrong, something is terribly broken, and we need more than what we can do. We need Jesus. Will you pray the bold prayers? Will you believe that nothing is impossible for God? Will you spend the time seeking out His will in Scripture and through hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit? Will you be persistent in your prayers? and continue to pray bold prayers until you see God's bold answer to them. Will you all stand with me this morning? There's nothing that is going to shape your future more than prayer. Prayers are prophetic. You want to know what your life is going to look like in the future? Look at the prayers that you're praying right now. So let's spend a moment together praying. Let's see what God has for us this morning. Father, would you speak to us again? God, as we come before you, would you evaluate, make an honest assessment of us and reveal that to us? Have we been praying for bold things or have we been praying timid, safe prayers? And God, would you show us that thing that we need to be praying boldly about right now? That situation that seems impossible that situation where we need the king of heaven to come down and to intercede on our behalf, to exert his power. In Jesus, we pray now that you would build faith inside of us for that. If God's revealed something to you, would you guys just raise your hand real quick? I just want to, just to see what God's doing in this room right now. That's awesome. Thank you. So many hands. God's doing something this morning. So Father, we come before you. And God, you know everything that you've put on our hearts, every burden that we bear. And Jesus, we want to see your kingdom continue to come. We want to see the culture of the kingdom of heaven expressed on this earth. God, we want to see every wrong situation righted and made to come into alignment with the reign and the rule of you, Jesus. And so now for every burden you've put on our heart, would you build faith and expectation inside of us? God, would you convince us again that nothing is impossible for you? God, would you fill us with a supernatural boldness? God, would you fill us with persistence, a tenacity in our prayers? Will we be a people who never give up, but we always press in because what you've revealed to us is worth fighting for? And Jesus, would you bring others alongside of us who will pray with us and come into agreement with us, God. Others who will intercede in our behalf. And Jesus, we pray right now that in Radiant Church and in the church all over our city, that you would make it a house of prayer. Yes, Lord. That we would be a people who are known for coming to you, who live our lives on our knees seeking you, Jesus. Yes, to see your reign and rule extended. And Jesus, thank you that you hear every one of our prayers and that you move miraculously in response to them. Fill us with faith. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.